0: This is episode 62 with Marina Pearson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness show, where each week you'll get an infusion of tips, daily routines, tools, and rituals that will empower you to own your life and become the best version of yourself. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review this podcast. You can also check out today's resources in our show notes. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and welcome to the Love Yourself to
0: Happiness show. Marina Pearson plays many roles in her life, mother, wife, friend, bestselling author, coach, mentor, and international speaker. But life hasn't always been plain sailing for her. By the age of 30, she had gone through the motions of taking her own life twice, abusing drugs and alcohol, and suffering from an eating disorder. It was also around about that time that she got a divorce and that she started to look into all things personal development. It's because Marina saw the power of these changes in her that she decided to work with others so that they too could let go of their unnecessary suffering to find peace inside of them because that is, after all, what we are looking for peace. Marina loves working with women who feel stressed around their relationships and business and are ready and committed to step up to create a business and life that they can truly enjoy as they are tired of pushing and struggling.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And today here with us, we have Marina Pearson, who's also a podcast host. Um, She has a podcast called Joy of Being. So welcome to our show.
2: Thank you so much, Maya and Michaela.
1: So good to have you here. So we always like to begin asking our guests um, a story on how they got to do the work that they do.
2: Wow. Well, I guess it it, it's been a whole number of different situations and circumstances in my life that have have, that brought me to working um, in the profession that I do. because my story kind of starts back in the day when I was a teenager and it looked to me and it was my, my perceived, uh, reality was very much around, um, dark depression. Um, not very, yeah, not very happy at all. And, um, I got to about 21 and, and that was my first incident of just deciding there's no point to this life and, and wanting to take my life away. Um, and so from there on in, from about 21 until about 30, um, my my bouts of depression, I guess, would go up and down. But um, there was definitely an improvement. I, things that made sense to me at the time, I stopped doing such as um, taking drugs or drinking as much. And, uh, and I decided that I was gonna lead a more um, quiet lifestyle and decided to move to Madrid. Which really didn't help in mm-hmm. any shape or form. But um, I then got married in the age of thirty. I went back to I actually went to New York and I was there for two and a half years uh, studying a master's in music business and got married there. And then just and then and then the marriage didn't work out. Well, oh, to cut a long story short, um, I I had an affair and it ended really really messily and. I realized at that point that there was something that this relationships that I'd been in, all of them ended really not very well. And and there was some sort of unhelpful patterns and behaviors that I was exhibiting that needed to probably change. So, you know, by the age of 30, I'd, I'd pretty much, it felt to me like I'd done a lot of suffering and it looked to me that, that uh, life was really difficult. And it looked to me that, I was doing a lot of struggling. Um, and I, and it looked to me that, that I was a bit of a, you know, sad human being. So, um, I, I got curious about all of that. And I started to read books on personal development and I'd done that back previously when I was 21, 22, and I'd gone through those bouts, but I'd kind of forgotten about them and I'd just carried on on my way. And, um, I'd read, you know, books back then, um, The art of motorcycle maintenance, and the silent steam prophecy, and message down under, and they're kind of pseudo spiritual books that made a lot of sense and very much resonated for me. Um, The tale and tower of Piglet and Pooh, and so there was a number of books that I referred to back then, and even I think I can I can heal your life by Louise Hay. But I kind of got um, distracted and. You know 10 years later I was back to that moment again where I was like I really need to kind of look at this and so I started I I, I went back I I basically went from being in the state uh, states back to Spain Spain to the UK and that's kind of when I got thrown into the personal development world um I got given a ticket with a guy that was supposed to hire me for a job and I never actually got the job but I went to the I went to the <laughs> I went I went to the uh Seminar, and it was crazy. Like, there was a whole bunch of like about a thousand people in this one space, um, jumping up and down like crazy people. And there was this guy on stage doing his thing, and I was like, My god, because I'd only ever experienced like therapy Mm -hmm. in in the sort of um, you know, traditional sense. And and I and I people talking about Anthony Robbins, I was like, Who is this guy? Because I really had no idea understanding or inkling that there was the personal development industry and I kind of so from there I I I I chose one addiction for another which was basically I I don't know at the time I was drinking I think still and I decided that instead of drinking I would do these seminars and and so (laughs) I threw myself in again and 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 did did life the way I've always done it which is Oh, i 'm going to do one, one of them, I 'm going to do all of them, and became a bit of a seminar junkie, as they call it, those sorts of people that go to all these seminars looking for mm-hmm. an answer. Mm-hmm. And while life seemed to get better, um, there was still a huge element of stress and anxiety that, that, that pervaded my, my existence and But at, I realized that, that life seemed to get better in that. I wasn't as anxious all the time. I wasn't as upset all the time. Um, I wasn't as, um, it seemed like I was having a nicer experience of life. And uh, it was actually when, and so I thought, well, maybe I could help. Maybe this would be something that I could do and support others in the in the process of actually, um, you know, not suffering so much. And, So I became a coach and an aunt. And the thing is that really brought me to the understanding that I've been sharing now for a while, and that has now kind of catapulted me into seeing something new very recently, uh, was this this wish to make what I was doing succeed. And I was kind of constantly in this place of searching and striving for the next thing. you know, I'd if you'd come to my house back then, I'd have all of these diplomas up on my wall because the ones I had weren't enough. And there was always, well, what can I do next? You know, what will give me the tools and the techniques that will help me really with the clients that I need? Um, but it wasn't until I came across the understanding or a quote on Facebook where things started to really, it seemed to me started to really change. Um, and I started to slow down. I started to experience more quiet and stillness. Um, and I, and I started to experience much more of an awareness, um, that had always been there, but had possibly been clouded by a lot of overthinking. And that quote was by someone called Sydney Banks and he, um, said you know if, if you're if you're um and in this game of life we all search for ourselves and when we say self i'm talking about the inner self the very thing that created life in the first place so if you're looking for happiness if you're looking for tranquility if you're looking just to have a loving and peaceful life what you're really searching for is yourself and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that all of this striving and wanting to um be successful was actually just another way to get lost in the illusion of thinking that somehow you know life would be better if and that it's giving you worth as well because we yes we take success as
1: like as the more successful we are the more worthy we are but that's far from the truth right
2: right and my, and my story of success back then was, you know, once I'm successful, it will look like this. It will be like, I have a six figure business. Um, or it will look like, um, you know, at the time I, I, I launched a book called Goodbye Mr. X and it was doing really well. And, um, you know, I got interviewed on my Aunt Claire and I got on television and all of this sort of stuff, but somehow it wasn't enough. It was like, a thirst that it was unquenchable for me going for the next yeah yeah it was never enough never enough never enough never enough strive 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 and and just kind of but I didn't realize I was doing it until I you know kind of had this conversation with my mentor who became our mentor at the time and for the last few years I've five years I've been sharing this understanding that there's a thought, feeling connection, that we live in the feeling of our circumstances. We live in the feeling of our thinking, not our circumstances. So whenever we feel something, it's actually because thought is giving rise in that moment and the feeling we're in, is actually to do with that.
1: Not to you do you say that again? So we live in the feeling of our circumstance?
2: No, we live in the feeling of our thinking, not in the feeling of our circumstances. Okay. So, okay. We think we might feel live in the feeling of our circumstances. It looks like that to mm. us. It looks like um, I'm feeling um, the fact that I haven't achieved what I want to achieve. It looks to me like I'm feeling um, the lack of uh, clients I have. It looks to me like I'm feeling my children. It looks to me like I'm feeling my ex husband. It looks to me like I'm feeling my divorce. But actually, we're only ever... Living in the feeling of our thinking. So we're only ever feeling our thinking in the moment. Love um, that.
1: Love the way that's put. And I've heard of that, but not in those terms. Um,
2: yeah. And so what's interesting is I've just got off interviewing someone for the podcast. Um, as an exception, it was more like, oh gosh, uh, I've got someone, I've, I've, I've got a gap in November. And I'd been wanting to get him on for a while because I'd seen his posts. And what was interesting about what we spoke about, and it's something that I wanted to point to here because it goes beyond that. So we talked about how there was a big insight into, oh, I don't feel my circumstances or my past or my future. I'm just feeling right now, this thinking that I'm in. But beyond that, um, I started seeing that there's an impermanence in the being of who we are so there are some days that um i get into i'm sure there are moments where you are so in the zone you're in flow and you forget you have a body and you forget who you are even you're just in in it, right yes um and there are days where um life looks great and there are days that it doesn't and so there's there tends that there's a sense of impermanence that 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 of the thing that we think we are. So um, what is doing the thinking? Um, What is experiencing the feeling? Um, Are two questions that I was posed about a year ago. And at the time I didn't really understand them, but, but once again, having that conversation with this particular guest, it gave rise to those questions again and what I got to see in that conversation was that when we attempt, when I was attempting to help someone, I was seeing them as a as a as a complete being, not as an impermanent, right, as in somewhat something that's impermanent. So it's really difficult to help some something or someone when actually there's an impermanence there. Um, and so that was really interesting to me, and I was like, wow. That's a really new, fresh way of, of seeing um, who we are, because we tend to want to hold on to this thing that I call Marina or this thing that I call Michaela or Maoya, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I am Michaela and this is what I've been through and this is me. And right. The storytelling over the and storytelling over. And, and also like, who is thinking the me? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Would and you so, call that the subconscious or the ego or... It was more, we, we kind of pointed to back to consciousness. Consciousness, kind of yeah. Back to um, pure awareness. Um, and that we're not our bodies and we're not our minds or anything like that. We're just that. Mm-hmm. So it was just really interesting to go back to to that having that conversation. Um, but I've seen, you know, regardless of whether the inquiry moves into that spectrum or not because I based on what we were talking about I just got to see that that it that there is there is something to be said for moving it beyond the thought feeling connection but um I've seen a lot of of my clients really shift and change um based on what they've got to see for themselves so once again it comes back to the capacity that awareness has to share something new with us. So So
1: how do you get your clients to get to that point if they're just staying and, and repeating their story, right? So they come to you wanting to feel more free and less stressed, I assume. And what is the process that you take them through?
2: Well, it's not really a process. It's more of a, um, It's just connection. Because if if the impermanence of our state of minds and it's totally impermanent, I don't think I've ever met anybody that has a permanence of of I'm always feeling this way. Um, Mm. And even in the darkest moments, there were moments of peace and joy that I experienced. Mm. So it's not that they don't experience those moments, but they think that those moments don't exist because all they can talk about is that they have depression or they are suffering. Mm -hmm. They think that they are the suffering um, and they really identify with the suffering. They really identify with the depression. Um, They identify with that they are the, the depression or they are the stress, they are the anxiety that they feel. Because if you look at the statements is I am an anxious person or I am a stressed person or I am a stressed. We, we put so many labels on it, but I guess my, it's not even my job. It's just, we just have conversations um, mm-hmm. that open up a new way of seeing themselves. Got it. Uh, and somehow them seeing that their feelings and thinking are connected, them seeing that they are impermanent, then that th- this character that they think they have in their heads is who they are, isn't. It kind of frees, it kind of creates some space for them to kind of start the inquiry for themselves. mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. Because often we can- the we pressure can, off. Yeah, and often we can, um, it it's a bit like um when you've got a tin opener right and and you've got the the tins totally closed but you 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 put the tin opener in and you and you just tweak it a little bit and it opens the tin Mm -hmm. up a little bit that it's a glimpse I guess a glimpse of what they thought they were isn't and that can actually do something beautiful for someone. So I remember the metaphor that comes to mind is when I was, uh, I practiced yoga, I've been practicing yoga for years. And I remember this one um, class I went to where I'd been doing this pose for years, you know, doing the same pose over and over again. And the teacher came over and just moved my shoulders slightly, like literally like half a centimeter. And the pose just completely changed. Like it shifted into this whole new pose that I'd never experienced. Before. Which pose was it? Oh, um, <laughs> now, now you've caught me. I, I'm, I've been really crap at never actually learning the names of the poses. <laughs> <laughs> There's so
1: many names, and I'm a yoga teacher, and I know. And honestly, oh no, I and I Have don't person. know all the poses, but I, um, I don't, I still don't let that stop me from teaching.
2: It's the one where you open your <laughs> legs and you basically um, fall forward, <laughs> fall forward.
1: Okay, okay, forward fold. For
2: <laughs> Yes, that, the the forward fold, but you've got your legs open. Yeah, got it. <laughs> um, and then you've got maybe your hands on the floor, and you get you want to get your head down. Right, could call it full darshana. <laughs> yeah, full I love that. Um, I think it was that one. Anyway, regardless, the point is, is it just takes a little tweak to go? Uh Mm-hmm.
3: Right, right, yeah. and I think I know that. That can happen with any of your thoughts and beliefs or patterns or habits or routines or anything that moms or h- humans are doing on a daily basis where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with this interaction with my daughter. And then someone outside of it can say, have you tried this? A little tweak. And it's, yeah. it's like your mind is blown.
1: Because you know that this happens to me often with my mom and I hate to say, but she's always right. And so like, you know, and, and I, I consider myself a pretty intelligent person. You know, I, I'm a health coach. I study, I read all the time and I could have an issue like, like you said, with my daughter, um, whether it's on sleep or food. And my mom just comes in and just says, well, why don't you try this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, why haven't I thought of, why haven't I thought about that? you know, but it happens almost daily, and it's like it's been scary because now um when this first began it's it's so funny because it's like such a process of allowing I was so resistant to that advice because i'm like well i'm this conscious parent, and I know what I want to do, you know what I mean like it's my child, but then it it you know and of course, I make my own decisions as well but you know, on those, on those bigger issues, like she, she, she knows, you know, and it's like now I'm so open. And so now it's, it's actually fun to receive that advice rather than like kind of fighting it and then still doing that, you know, have to do that in like three days and be like, oh, (laughs) so it's funny. Yeah. Um, but on a topic of becoming a mom, I wanted to ask you. Um, there's something you had in your video on your homepage um, about you know becoming a mom and feeling guilty. And when you began, you you know you were spending time with your business and feeling guilty that you weren't with your ch- with your son. And then when you were with your son, you wanted to work on your business. Um, so how were you able to get out of that mind mindset and um, allow yourself to be fully in the moment with your business and then fully in a moment with your son. And also, you know, not feeling so overwhelmed
2: by it all. So what comes to mind is a question. Um, and the question is who is doing the guilting? Mm. Cause often we focus on how can you get yourself out of that feeling but we don't question who is actually feeling the feeling. And the feeling of guilt was there because I thought that the feeling was coming from my, me being in the business and, and not being a good enough mother and all the overthinking that I had at the time. But that one question got me to see that whoever is doing that 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 feeling whoever's doing that thinking that guilt thinking once again is 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 impermanent so there's nothing really that I did I just got asked the question so we can go
1: ahead and ask ourselves like who
2: is doing this thinking yeah Mm -hmm. as opposed to I want to get rid of it Mm mm-hmm because what happens is you go back into pointing to the illusion again of that we have something to overcome or we have something that, we, that we're that we struggling with. Because actually, if we can see that the struggle, the perceptive struggle or the perceptive feelings of guilt are impermanent, they come and go. They just come and go. Right. They come and go, they come and go there is actually, there is nothing to fix per se because it's not fixed, it's totally impermanent. Mm -hmm. So attempting to fix something that's impermanent, it doesn't work. It's like attempting to catch shadows on the wall that don't exist. So that one question really shifted my focus from the verbing to the who, the what. And seeing the impermanence of it was really useful, it was really useful, um, because it so, stopped me from wanting to fix it. Like there was a sense of like, I need to get rid of it, this is stopping my, me from living in the life I want, it's getting in the way of me spending more time with my son and feeling connected. So there was a whole bunch of overthinking around the beating up, you know, beating myself up about feeling the way I was feeling. Um, so that's the honest answer. If I gave gave you another answer, it would be a story that I would just be making up. But that, that the honest answer was that was the the question that I got asked. And so, what right. was the answer to that? Was that um, saying that this was a person telling a story that you don't want to engage in anymore? Or it was a weird sense of like I there was there was a sense of. I was so in the person that was feeling that feeling. Okay. Marina is feeling guilty, as opposed to who and what is doing the feeling. And that kind of gave me a sense of, whoa, um, separation of like, I'm not so in it. Mm -hmm. They say the observer that observes thoughts, right? So what is that observer? well, once again, we go back to the consciousness side of it and it's impermanent. So even who we think we are, isn't, isn't. Right. Right. It's such a
1: small piece. It's like such a fraction. Yeah. Of the whole being, I believe too. Yeah.
3: So, So that's that's, yeah. mm -hmm. Sorry. Could, I think that maybe it might be helpful if you kind of walked us through a situation where maybe you were like that you've coached somebody using this um, idea of a question and conversation and impermanence so that our listeners can maybe wrap their heads around it. Cause it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty hard to grasp if you haven't done the work, self-development work. What's interesting
2: is actually that um, there's, As far as I can tell, so far, and this may change—I don't know—that we all have this capacity to hear something new for ourselves. Like, and anytime I've spoken at a at a at a workshop or at a um, at a talk it's not what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's they hear something for themselves. So sometimes when our, when our, when our head doesn't grasp what, what that person's saying, it's like, I want to understand it. That's good. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like, Oh, I want to understand what this but it would totally go over my head, but there was something on what they were saying that grabbed my curiosity. So you know, if you don't understand what I'm saying, good. In the sense that if there's curiosity there and it's wanting you to look and inquire
3: about who you are, then that's, that's
2: the job done. Very
3: good. Yeah. I like that. Right. Do you,
2: do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm.
3: I, I understand. Yeah. I, I, the thing that comes to me when you say that is I remember last year around this time of year, I was listening to the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu, and I remember them talking about the idea of forgiveness, and I got really hung up on it. Like, how do you how do you forgive somebody that's hurt you or manipulated you or you know any of those negative things of somebody doing something to you? But I got it. Like, but it was my own. It wasn't. They didn't necessarily say how do how you forgive, but I figured it out on my own after kind of inquiring with myself. So I under, I understand what you're saying. And that's the point. The inquiry starts with you. Mm-hmm. so right. That's the inquiry. The inquiry
2: right. is our capacity to get curious and just like, I've seen how I'm helpful. It can be if somebody says, well, these are the techniques and tools you need in order for you to get better. You don't need to get better. you're you're good. You just think you do. And tools and techniques take us back to that. I need to lasso that, that shadow that's sitting on the wall and do something with it and help you. But state of mind is impermanent. So it's like, how do you, yeah. Speaking to the soul, that's pretty much what we're up for and what can actually have somebody hear something new. So it's never about what's being said, it's where it's coming from. And also what I found is, is the types of conversation that people have. Like I remember, you know, I've had moments where people have just thrown away comment, like just thrown it away, like gone in this. And I'm like, what did you just say? And and what I heard was like a bomb going off in my head where my whole reality of how I was thinking about something completely changed. But what they said wasn't what I heard. I heard me, I heard whatever you want to call it, this, the true self, um, sharing something and, 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 the weird thing is it had nothing to do with what they said <laughs> um but of those the, the throwaway comments the mm-hmm. throwaway comment is actually what got me to start the podcast okay love it. love it so that's the capacity you know that that's the capacity we all have um and it's not just me, it's not just you, it's not just Desmond Tutu, it's not the Dalai Lama. Like, all good. They're human beings just like we are. And I've also found that in the worst case of what could be perceived as suffering, I also had that voice of wisdom come through and tell me something that I needed to hear.
1: Mm-hmm, hmm Yeah, so, we're, we're constantly being guided.
2: And, yeah. Yeah. So, the, the guiding yes we, yeah yeah
1: like you yeah. said whether it's a comment whether it's a book that falls off or whether it, it we're guided all throughout the day it's just whether we want to hear the messages or not <laughs> yeah or whether
2: we can right <clears throat> right but usually what i've seen is that wisdom shouts very loudly when it mm. wants to be heard
1: mm-hmm. over yeah. and over yeah in different right. different ways so do you have any self-care rituals that you, you know, have maybe for your morning routine or evening routine?
2: Don't have a routine per se, but um what I found is is that over time it's like I I've, I've I used to have um, an eating disorder yeah, and um I wasn't very nice to my body. But um now I experience my body in a very, very different way. And see it as a as a, a way to um get about my day in the best way possible. So I used to drink a lot and um now when I have a drink I feel awful like the next day and so I was like well <coughs> how do I want to feel I want to feel I have energy I want to feel um fit I want to feel like I can get into my clothes so over time I you know I, I um I pop in and out of going to yoga I have started spinning classes recently um I've also stopped drinking I've I've, I've um, stop drinking as much wine as I used to really don't drink that much at all. Like maybe a glass a week. Um, I go through in and out phases of drinking coffee. I'm on a phase of drinking coffee at the moment, but I don't drink (laughs) cow's milk and, um, or, uh, you know, sometimes I eat a little bit of gluten here and there, but generally I buy fresh organic food. So, um, I've been taking vitamins. I, I basically have two massages a month. Um, I've been seeing a kinesiologist. Um, I listen to, I read, I listen to uh, podcasts and, and so forth. So I go for walks. So really there is no routine. It's just,
1: Choosing to feel well and good. And your story really, really, really resonates with me as Maya knows. Like I've suffered with um, different food issues and trauma in my childhood. And my 20s were, you know, all about partying, but then like that soul, soul searching at the same time, which is like funny, you know. And now I'm 33. I had my daughter at 31 and it completely turned my life around. Um, and most recently, uh, in May, I decided to stop drinking, um, because I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like the way I felt the next day or being tired next to my daughter. It just made me feel so guilty. And so I gave that up. Um, same thing with the coffee. I'm on and off. I just freaking love it.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. You know,
1: so I'm like... You know, it's okay. So I have one cup and like I really don't feel guilty about it. And that's the biggest thing is is to be able to get rid of the guilt throughout the day is so freeing. Whether it's about food, I no longer like you know, I no longer feel guilty about eating anything. And I never thought that would be possible. And I don't even know how that came about. And you know, we do a variety of different works and uh, you know, routines or non-routines or whatever you want to call it. But my main thing is I want to feel good. And sometimes that's eating a pizza. You know what I mean? And I feel good about it, but it's, it comes from a different intention, you know? And sometimes that's, you know, eating completely healthy because that's just what my body needs and I'm just guided to. But, you know, just hearing your story of like overcoming depression and just this like major suffering. Although on the outside, my life looked really good. (laughs) I was a hot mess. (laughs) And now as you say, you want to live more simply. And that's like, I literally, I don't go out. You know, I, I go food shopping twice a week. Like, like I'm like super simple. Sometimes I see girlfriends, like, you know, my, my relationships with my girlfriends are so good and deep that I don't feel like I need to go see one every week, you know, like I feel like we're always connected. So just like living such a simple life is, um, is also freeing. And I don't feel like I constantly have to do, do, do. And then this way I have the space and the mental capacity to do the work that we do and just be creative um, all day. Cause we're, we're constantly doing this work and coming up with ideas and downloading, you know, different information And uh, now, so I just, I want to thank you for sharing your story because it's, it's awesome. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of moms, because we, we, you know, we speak to a lot of moms that suffer with, with depression. And, you know, if you go back and deeper into the things and, and, and they all, it's, it all stems from, you know, whether it's childhood or. Just a lot of guilt and shame, and it's just so piled on. They feel like they can't get out of it. But, you know, if anyone that's listening and if they're in that place, you know, it can almost be like an instant relief if you decide that. Like, it's not like you have to go to like 10 workshops and, you know, work with three coaches. Like, you just have to decide. And, but you will have to do the work as well. If, if it's working with a coach or listening to audiobooks or whatever it is, you know?
2: There's a big, big myth in the industry though, which is that um, you have to overcome something. And I see it slightly differently because it would seem to me then that if there's something to overcome, then it's a fixture. Then it's something that's actually fixed or that it, it, you, we have to then fix it. And I used to think that way, but I don't think that way anymore. And what what I've come to see is that we're almost living like two, two lives. The first one is the more material and the second one is the the more spiritual that are going on at the same time. Um, And we, as I said before, when we think that we are the feeling, when we think that the we are a permanent fixture, that's when we get into trouble. That's kind of the challenge is not the depression itself. There's nothing wrong with, with feeling how you feel, but we make it wrong. And we're, what we're not seeing is that it's not permanent. Right. It comes and goes because I'm sure there were times because I can't remember now, but I'm, I know that there were times that when I was depressed that I would also have good days, good moments. Right. Oh yeah.
3: Right. But I
2: think that there is a sense that, that I am depressed. I am because when my, my, when Leo was born, my baby, there was, there was a lot of that going on for me too. I was exhausted and crying a lot. And, and, uh, It looked like I had postpartum depression. Um, The lack of sleep and not being, it looked to me like I couldn't cope and that sort of stuff. Um, But um, I was tempted to go and see someone about it in terms of them to give me something. But I realized that the yeah, that those thinking, that those thoughts would come and go. It wasn't like all the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like all the time. I wasn't feeling that way all the time. Right. I was just tired. But yeah. It like <laughs> all the
3: time. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like just not lingering on any one thought or feeling, right? Just. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't have it all figured out either, by the way. <laughs> you know i'll give you an example i've got a client my client who's here right now on this retreat and she'd been going through a really really tough time i looked at her that way anyway you know her dad died and you know it'd been five years and she was suffering from depression and, and i have no idea what i said but what she heard made sense to her and then she was just like oh my god you I don't know what you've just said I don't know what you've just said but Mm. it just feels to me like all of the depressing thinking has just fallen away wow in an instant in a moment yeah wow that's amazing so you know, therapists say, oh, it takes the No, it doesn't. No, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't take
1: all those things that you think it does. And that's why most people don't go out of that funk is because they think they have to do all this work. And then there's a destination when, and this whole time, this stuff is like literally right there, just like saying hello, like I'm here, you know, and we just think we constantly have to do, 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 even, you know, even though we Obviously we're physical beings, we have to do things, but it's just such a little shift in thinking of why you're doing the things that you're doing, you know. Yeah.
2: And as I stare out to the, to the trees out here, what I see is there's an impermanence throughout nature all the time. Mm. Um, you know, trees grow and they die, then in autumn they said their least Some of them don't they're evergreen, but some of them do and they fall to the ground and then spring comes along and they start budding again and flowers bloom you know some on some of the trees and and so what i see is that there is this constant impermanence in nature and actually that's exactly the same for us too mm-hmm. there's the one thing you can guarantee is that there will be impermanence the one thing that that we're all up against and the challenge that i see now is is that we think we are permanent Right. And so, if we think we're permanent, this thing I call Marina is a permanent fixture. That's the challenge I'm up against, mm-hmm. because then it, there is something to fix, there is something to worry about, there is. When actually, mm. it just keeps coming through. Like awesome. today, I feel like shit. Tomorrow, I, I feel great. Next day, that's just yeah coming through. Yeah, it's just the impermanence right. of it all. Yeah.
1: Right. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. So, Marina, do you have a favorite book that you're currently reading, or you know, one of your favorite books that you want to share with us and our listeners?
2: Yeah, I really love *The Missing Link* by Sydney Banks. Um, it's so simple that book. Um,
3: yeah.
2: Cool. I really, yeah. Awesome. awesome. It's beautiful.
3: All right, and to conclude, could you share with us three things that you're grateful for? Me, me, and me. I'm checking. <laughs> Perfect.
2: Um. <laughs> 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 to be alive, um, to get to be a mum, with all mm-hmm. of the stuff that comes with that, like all of the moments that I have. I'm a crazy lady, and then I'm not, and then we have fun, and yeah. <laughs> just to get to experience to see experience to see my son grow, and that's really something special. And then, um, yeah, I have pets. I, and and funnily enough, we have three kittens that we saved. Um, we have three kittens that we saved, and we're now getting a puppy next week. Um, So I'm really grateful for that, too, that that we're not just all people, as in, like, that that we also have the capacity to hang out with other. Mm,
1: That's a good way to put it. I like that.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Marina, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and sharing your story. And, you know, I, I really resonated with it so thank you um and thank you for everyone tuning in you can check out marina at marinapearson.com and also you can check out her podcast uh joy of being
2: mm-hmm. and uh, there are some few gifts on on the on the page uh on the website you can there's a joy catalyst scorecard that you can just score yourself in terms of where you are on the joy Victor scale as i call it um There's also um, guilt-free audio. So that's just- Lots
1: of um, goodies. I know I checked it out. It's It's a good one. It's a good one. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Bye.